Hey there, and welcome to our podcast, and thanks for joining us for this episode. Now, before we begin, we want to remind you to please take a moment to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you enjoy this content, please don't hesitate to leave us a five-star review and share this podcast with your friends. We'd like to extend an invitation to you and your family to join us for worship this week at our church. Thanks again for joining us, and now, enjoy the episode. Uh, Even those that may think that what they're doing and why they're doing it and how much they're gaining or whatever by what they're doing is maybe profitable, but but at the end of the day, we see a lot of conclusions. It's vanity. And I think on, on, on just the outset this morning that we can all conclude that there is a lot of vanity in the world. If you're, if you're very honest with yourself this morning, there's probably some vanity in your own life. Can I get amen on that? I have to say amen as well. And so I pray that we're honest. What, we're going, what I'm going to be proposing to you is, is two options. We're going to see one option that he's going to bring to our attention, that we're going to see a lot of vanity. You're going to see the next option, which is the option I pray that we will all be reckoned in our heart to adhere to. Uh, this morning, and I pray as I develop this case that you understand, I want to be found in the second. That's the option I want. That's where I want to be. You may not be there this morning. You may have a blend of both. You may be more on the first option. But I pray as we leave today, you'll want you'll you'll be in option two. All right. So Ecclesiastes four and verse seven. Let's let's read this. It says, then I returned. And I saw vanity under the sun. There is one alone. So he's talking about an individual. Talking about uh, a a man. And he's going to describe him. There is one alone. And there is not a second. Yea, he hath neither child nor brother. Yet is there no end of all his labor. Neither is his eye satisfied with riches. Neither saith he, For whom do I labor and bereave my soul of good? This is also vanity, yea, it is a sore travail. Now, here we get to this option, too, that we'll unpack shortly. There are uh, two are better than one. Because they have a good reward for their labor. For if they fall, the one will lift up his fellow. But woe to him that is alone when he falleth. For he hath not another to help him up. Again, if two lie together, then they have heat. But how can one be warm alone? The last verse. And if one prevail against him... Two shall withstand him, and a threefold cord is not quickly broken. Let's pray. Father, uh, we approach your throne this morning. Father, I pray you help us by your Spirit to understand how we, why we are made. We are not made to be alone. But Father, we were originally made to have companionship partnership 
Father God, by the development even of our, of our country and uh, the Industrial Revolution as it's come about, there's, there's been a lot of vacancy in the most, in the most important partnerships um, that you've created. Now, there's a lot of things in our life, Father, that has distracted us that we actually think that we are thriving in our relationships because of what we're doing. Or we are taking care of our families in the most comprehensive sense because of what we're doing. And Father, I pray that we take a fresh look at really our, what we're doing, how much of it we're doing. Is it really building our partnerships? Is it building our marriages? Is it building our relationships? Or are we just being foolish? Are we being naive? And I pray today that each one of your children will understand the value of their relationships. From the home, to, even to friendships, even to the ministry. And I pray that we not be living a life of vanity. And I pray that we're honest today. Where we are valuing this empty, this emptiness Instead of valuing the warm embrace of partnership. So Father, guide us in your word today. And I pray that we understand above all relationships. The most wonderful relationship that we can have. Is a relationship with you. Through repentance and faith toward Christ as our Savior. And I pray each one will leave knowing you as their Savior and Lord. And I pray all this in Christ's name and all of God's people said, Amen. The power, the power of partnership. Um, my great uncle and I, when I was younger, still in, still in high school, um, my dad put me with him building a few spec homes. A spec home is a home you build to sell. It's not one for yourself, but it's to sell. And so it was me and him. And, um, and I'd I done other things with him as well. I helped him in, in, in tobacco for a couple years. And, you know, I got to notice something about him. There were many times in his life where he had to do something on his own. Anybody ever do something on your own? And you had to figure out a way to get it done when it was really hard to do it by yourself. Right? And I admire ingenuity. I admire that. But isn't it far more better to have an extra pair of hands? Uh, someone, another uh, shoulder to get underneath a load. I, I remember times as uh, younger that, you know, as, as a younger man and, and working with dad and my grandpa and these, these older guys that were working and, you know, you need, you need to pack a, a sheet of 5-H drywall. Or uh, a pack of 50 pounds of, of, of um, quick crete or so, something like that. And of course, as a young guy, you wanted to show how strong you were. Little to know that you're just little by little breaking your back because you're being foolish. <clears throat> just being honest about it. When you've got a guy right here, you could ask, hey, would you help me carry this? But no, 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 no. You, 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 <clears throat> you like to adopt this rugged individualism, right? That's just this... American way that we take a lot of pride. I'll do it myself, and we just were, were above asking the question, can you help me? It's a lot smarter to ask for help, amen? Um, 
you're going to have, you're introduced to an individual here that took option one. Option one is what I want to spend time this morning talking about, and then we'll get to option two. Um, but the preacher king, if you will, we'll just, for the sake of debate, say Solomon's writing here. The preacher king said that in verse 7, I returned and, and saw vanity under the sun. In other words, I looked out here on earth, and I'm watching, I'm observing men. And I'm watching them work, I'm watching them live, I'm, they're going through the day to day. Man, I see a lot of vanity. And uh, he notices this one individual and how he's living. He notices his job. He notices the money he's making. He notices this. But he also notices things that's not in his life. And so he brings us this to option one, the option of which this guy's living in. This may be you this morning. I, I don't know. You may have flavors of this in your life. But... The preacher king simply saying that this guy is living a life of vanity. And really he says, he, he drives it home a little bit further in verse 8. He said, yea, it is a sore travail. So option one is this. I want us to see there's power in partnership. There's a need for partnership. It should be valued. But first of all, we're going to see this option one is self-isolation. Self-isolation. If you ever isolate, it's because you chose to isolate yourself. Right? You chose to hide away. You chose to do it yourself. I know there's situations where you just have to do something yourself. But I believe there's many times where you could invest in relationships and partnerships to have it a little easier to do the work, to carry the load, carry the burden. So the preacher, the preacher king makes careful observation of the way people live, as I said. And so, who is this guy? What's he doing? Why, why does the uh, preacher king say that this is vanity? Well, notice in verse, seven, or in verse 8, he, he unpacks or describes this, this guy. He said, there is one alone and there is not a second. So he's saying this individual is alone. All that he does, he does it alone. Everything he does. He does it alone. His purposes, you're going to find, he's going to, you're going to see this aloneness, this isolation. So he lives and he works alone. If he has a wife, he don't mention her. Just, just hold on to that. Just, we're just observing him for a second. We'll draw some, some conclusions. If he has a wife, he's, she's not mentioned. So this guy could possibly be a bachelor. All right? You're also going to see, as you read in verse 8, that he doesn't have a son. There's no heir. So he's working, he's making money, there's, there's things, he's, he's, he's accruing, but there's no heir, there's no son. You're going to find that he's only working for himself. All the riches that he has, it's all for himself. And ultimately, as you're going to find that, you're going to find that he has chosen a life to where he's not being any, any kind of blessing to anyone. It's all inward. It's all working for myself. It's all riches for myself. I'm not, he's not living to benefit anyone but himself. I don't think that's hard to see that in verse 8, do you? That, that's, that's who uh, the penman is describing. This is a real guy. He doesn't give his name. 
But if we're honest, this isn't probably just one guy. In all reality, you think about the world. There are many that fit this description. There may be someone, whether man or woman today, that fits this description. And he says, this guy is living a life that is empty. Vain. Vanity means empty. There, there's nothing there. You may think there's, you may look and see things. You, this, he, this guy may wake up one morning, he sees all this money and, and, and these things that he's worked for and this, that, and the other, or his promotion he got. He looks at his job, he looks at his accolades, his awards on the wall, but he's alone when he does it. That's this guy. So what's some conclusions? This option one, this self-isolation that many times, if we're not careful, we will say the American dream is this guy. Oh, but I pray that's not what you call the American dream. Because if it is, it's a vain dream. It's a vain one. Um, He's living a life of emptiness. That's what he's talking about. And what you're finding here in verse 80 says that he works, right? He, it, it, look, look at verse 8. Yet is there no end of all his labor. So what he's saying here, observation, looking at this guy, there's no end to his work. 40, 50, 60 hours per week. Let me ask you a question. Especially you people that are self-employed. You could work every day of your life, every hour of your life, couldn't you? Chasing, 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 right? And all this time, you're saying that is the most important thing. And yes, money's coming in. And money can be used to pay bills. I get that and buy things. and I get that. But he's saying there's no end to his work. He's 40 hours this week, 50 hours this week, 55, 60. Just like it just keeps going and going and going. That's who this guy is. And here, here, here's the vanity part of it. He's never satisfied. So this guy maybe started out with 40 hours a week. I'm not satisfied. Well, maybe how I can be satisfied in my life is I work 45 or 50 or 55. And you know what's happening, Brother Royce? He's chasing something that's just empty. It's never going to bring the satisfaction that he needs. If your partner in life to bring you satisfaction is your job, it is a vain partnership. Now, you can enjoy what you do. But if your job is what's going to fill you, you'll never be full. And that's what the king preacher is telling us. He's, you could describe him as the compulsive moneymaker. That, that's who this guy is. Um, remember what he says in verse 8? There is one alone and there is not a second. So the sad reality about this guy is this. He's working and working and working and working adding all these hours and hours and hours. So if he's investing all of his time in his work, that means he's not investing his time in probably some of the most valuable things. More more than things, there are people, there are relationships, possibly a wife. That sometimes brings about children, brings about family. Or let's just step away from the marriage. How about just friendships, right? Not everybody gets married. You don't have to get married. But dear friend, you need friendships. Can I get a witness? You need friends. You need some people you can lean on. No man is an island, amen? But this guy was too busy to have friends or start a family. 
I would say this. If he did have a family, nobody would know it. Because he would always be at the job. They would, they would think, I'd say if he, after so many times, he said, let me show you my family. Oh, you're married? I never would have thought it. Seriously. Let me show you a picture of my kids. You've got kids? I never would have imagined that. Because he's never there with them. He's always, he's married to the job. He's married to his co-workers. That's, that's his life. And I say on the flip side of this, if he was married, his wife and children wouldn't even know he existed. They would have to live their life as if he didn't exist. The king preacher said this is vanity. Notice in verse 8. Notice in verse 8 what is said here. Neither saith he. Notice that this is, this is a pivotal question. Neither saith he, for whom do I labor and bereave my soul of good? The question is not asked, why am I doing what I'm doing? Why am I doing so much of what I'm doing? Who thinks that's an honest question? I think many of us should, should pause and stop in our life, especially each one of you that have a family, that has a wife and has children. Why am I doing what I'm doing? Why am I pulling this amount extra overtime? Why am I investing more here outside of my family? Why am I doing this? Folks, I understand sometimes you've got to pull some extra hours. There's bills to pay. I get all of that. That's assumed. But why are you doing what you're doing? I think it's an honor. He never did ask that. So he was just headlong and headlong all that he was doing. And he, he's blinded to other, other relationships that are a lot more valuable than that extra 10 hours of overtime he was working. Why am I doing what I'm doing? Is it really, really worth it? And the answer is no. Because it never brought satisfaction. It never brought contentment in his life. And here is the danger. He hinged his life and his purpose in his job, in his work, in the money he made. All, that's all. He was hinging his life on those things. And let me tell you something about those things. They are things that can be taken away. One pink slip and your purpose is gone. You learn real quick how empty it was when it is gone. And so we must understand that this is some people. This may be you. And what the preacher king is trying to say, don't end up alone by investing in things that can leave you alone. Invest in relationships that can be built and strengthened and last. But this guy didn't do that. He was all about things that were vain. So the preacher is warning us of life uh, living isolated. Living isolated. Um, let me give you an illustration. Ellen Goodman. I come across this just the other day. Um, there's a businessman, Ellen Goodman. I, I don't know this name, but I come across this, um, this, um, this column. Uh, it was in the Minneapolis uh, Tribune. Goodman told uh, the tragic story of a man who worked as hard as, well, essentially, 
as this guy in Ecclesiastes 4. When he died at age of 51, his obituary said the cause of death was coronary thrombosis. But most people knew better. At the office six days a week, uh, often until 8 or 9 at night, his friends and family said that he had simply worked himself to death. Yet on the day of his funeral, when the company was already making inquiries about his replacement, the president looked around the office for candidates and said this, Well, who's been working the hardest? But the killer line was delivered by the dead man's wife when a friend said, I know how much you will miss him. And she said, oh, I already have. What she's saying is, I missed him a long time ago. Because essentially he was living dead to his family. I'm not against working hard, being a hard-working American. But if your hard-working American philosophy allows you to be dead to your family... You need to reevaluate what you're doing and how much of it you're doing and maybe where you're doing it at. Your family, the family was the first institution God created and he values that more than the money you make. Because let's be honest, God knows how much money you need. Amen? But your family needs a dad. Your wife needs a husband. Your husband needs a wife. More than they need your money. When you get those reversed, you're living a life of vanity. I think many times what happens is maybe this guy had to think he had to maybe keep up with the the Joneses, as we've all heard that many times. And they think that this is a, I've got to have maybe this car or or this phone or or, or this electronic or, or this home or this acreage. And so therefore I've got to work this much. I think many times we wouldn't have to work as much as we work if we just were satisfied with less. I know nobody likes that. I'm maybe making some enemies this morning, but that's okay. I'll make enemies over the truth. God knows what you need, what your family needs, what your relationship needs, your friendships needs. And so, and here's, the, here's the Christian answer. Are you ready for this? When you ask the question that this guy didn't ask, for whom am I doing this? Here is your answer. Well, your answer should be as a Christian. I'm doing this for the glory of God. I'm doing this for the benefit of my family. And let me just say this. Make sure your family uh, agrees with the benefit that this is what we need as a family. Not just what you're imagining that they need. And then for the good of others. Our life's purpose is to build relationships and to advance them for God's glory. Now the second option. The second option. Notice this in verse 9, 10, 11, and 12. Look at verse 9. Two are better than how many? One. Let me take you back to Genesis 2. Go to Genesis 2 with me. Let's remind ourselves God's declaration. 
of what man needs more than anything else. At least on this earth, we need. Is it, is it money? Is it fame? Is it fortune? Or is it family? Is it friendships? What does God value greater? Well, Genesis chapter 2 and verse 18 Notice, then this is what God is saying, okay? And the Lord God said, let's just read this verse together, all right? Ready, begin. And the Lord God said, it is not good that the man should be alone. I will make him and help meet for him. So whether it's marriage, and we're talking about marriage here, Whether it's marriage or not, God has said it is not good that man live in isolation. Right? You need companionship. Let me ask you this. You think about your life from today back. Where would you be today if it was not for some of the friendships, companionships, or even your spouse? Where would you be if you didn't have them? What less of a person would you be if you did not have them? Your money never counseled you. Your money cannot sympathize or empathize with you. Your job can't do that. There are only things a relationship, a companionship, and even marriage can do for you. It's people investing in people. So... The king preacher is saying that this option too, this is where we need to be. This is more valuable. Here is why two are better than one. Here is what all this guy that I noticed as I observed people, here's what this guy was missing. Here's what this guy was missing. Look at verse 9. Two are better than one because they have a good reward for their labor. Um, I remember a story. Um, what was it? A guy played hooky from church one Sunday. Okay? Went golfing. Went golfing. And he was an, he was an average player. He did okay. But something happened that was just monumental in his golfing career. What little it was. I mean, he was just average golfer. He got a hole in one. Royce, I'll never do that. I slice too much. I'll never do that. He got a hole in one. I don't know what that feels like, but that's pretty awesome. That's pretty awesome in, 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 in the game of golf. And so he goes, he goes to the green, and, and he's, he, you know, he's happy about it. And, and, and one angel said to the Lord, said, hey, should we, just, should we just take him out? Should we just, like, you know... Because of the, he played hooky and he's got a hole in one. Should we do something about this? And God said, no. Nobody would ever believe him because he was alone. Nobody was there with him. Played hooky from church. He's there alone, got a hole in one. He's like, shouldn't we, shouldn't we take care of this? Because no one needs to think, well, I can just play hooky from church and get a hole in one and advance my, you know. No, nobody would ever believe him. He's by himself. Don't worry about it. Being, being alone. Whatever, whether it's a hole in one, whether it's, you know, what you've worked for, a raise or whatever, an accolade, accomplishment. 
you're rejoicing alone over that. But when you've got someone that you can rejoice together over an accomplishment, isn't that just so much better? Um, doing the work together, there is a reward that you can rejoice with them about. I think about ministry, I think about pastoring, I think about, you know, I could, I could make the decision as a pastor, I'm just going to be off to myself because I'll make all the best decisions and when I, when I have success, I'll just, I'll just be all by myself. No, I've got people that I call and I get counsel and I can rejoice with them or I can, it's better to have partnerships when things go well because you can rejoice, the reward is equally shared. I think about at home. Now, it took me a little while to learn this, and I appreciate the patience and longevity of my wife. Many times I didn't pay attention to it was important me, it was important for me to help cook. It was important for me to help with the dishes. And all this is this is doesn't taste good, Terry, coming out of my mouth, but um, <laughs> you could ask him about that a little later on right there. That's funny. I appreciate that, Terry. Um, laundry. Raising your kids. I could go on and on and on. And be able to cook together or do dishes together. Raise your kids together. Take care of your home together. And you're able to step back together and say, we did that together. And there is greater joy when two can step back and say, we did this together, than you stepping back and said, I did this alone. It don't take a rocket scientist to understand which option's better. That your wife, you and your wife, or you and your friend, or you and your neighbor can say, hey, we did this together. What's better to say that, say there is a, a, an issue between you and your friend? You can step back by yourself and say, I am right, and I'll be right alone. Or you can put forth effort and resolve the fridge and say, hey, we stand together now because we worked this out together. There's a great reward there. Isolation is a lonely place, but partnership is a greater place to rejoice in because you're doing it together. And that's what the king preacher is telling us about. Sometimes, I'll say this. Sometimes people draw lines so deep in the sand that you end up alone. Amen? That can go to you as an individual, your family, and even a church. I don't believe in the ecumenical movement, but I'm saying you can draw so lines so deep in the sand over frivolous things that you end up alone. Let us not do that. Let us learn how we can labor together. Even at times, there's some differences. Can I, you can go back and look at church history. I'll just say this and I'll move on. Some of the greatest missionary works that have been done in, the, in, in Baptist history were men and women that had some differences, but they were united on the main things and they shared the gospel around the world. You can draw lines too deep over things. That are frivolous. Let us be careful. We can do that on a lot of different, a lot of different ways. So we can see that the reward is better when you have a companion. Notice also this about this option too. It says that when there's trouble, right? 
Uh, Notice in verse 10, for if they fall, the one will lift up his fellow. Now, there's there's some different ways that you can end up in trouble. You can get yourself in trouble. All right? Or others can be a reason why you're in trouble. There's different ways. You do it yourself or, or someone adds to that and brings trouble to you. All right? Um, there's different reasons sometimes why we fail. Uh, relationships might end up broken. Financial problems. There's a lot of things that can happen in your life. And you don't know when they're, when they're going to happen. But isn't it such a blessing to know that when you take time and invest in your marriage, when you take time to invest in your relationships, in your friendships, when those failures come, and they will, yes, they happen. When disruption comes, now if you're like the guy in verse um, 8, there's no one to call. There's, there's no one to get counsel. There's no one to lift you up. You're on your face, and if you get up, you've got to do it yourself. But oh, the power of a friend. When you get knocked down, or you cut your own knees out from under yourself. When you've, take, and when you've taken time to invest in friendships, you can call someone. A James Taylor song comes to my mind, Brother Terry. Call me, right? I'll be, you know, I'm not going to go into song or I'm not going to do that. But there's a lot of truth to that. There's a lot of, man, it is not good that man be alone. Why? Because man is a few days and full of what, church? Trouble. There's trouble in this life. You need one another. All right? You need one another. So you help in time of trouble. And here's the amazing truth about this. Being a Christian, a believer in Christ, even when Christians become forgetful about the companionships they should be having, Christ never leaves you alone. I should have got more amens than that. When people have left you alone, Christ never leaves you alone. What was His promise in Matthew I will be with you to the end of the age. I will be there with you. What did he tell John? We're in Joshua. Please come tonight. He's going to promise Joshua, I'm going to be with you. That's God's promise. It has been through all of Scripture. I'm, I'm, I'm so thankful for the marriage I have and the friendships I have because through those I get encouragement. It's through those that I can be renewed. That I can rekindle a love or, or I can receive mercy and strength. That's where all that comes from. Notice this. A couple more things. Notice, notice here in, um, in verse 10. He can lift up his fellow. But woe to him that is alone when he falleth. For he hath not another to help him up. Again in verse 11. If two lie together they have heat. But how can one be warm alone? Now, this extends to all relationships. Here's the picture. I want us to get the context. What he's describing here is two guys, in a sense, walking in the desert. Now, the desert gets hot during the day, but it gets real cold at night. And they're journeying. Now, what's easier? 
What, what, what happens is this guy's explaining that when it gets cold, these two individuals, they both have body heat, right? And they're able to come together, back, put their back against one another, prop each other up, share the body warmth that they have to be warm when it gets cold in their pilgrimage. That's what he's, that's what he's explaining. Um. Maybe I'll get some Christmas fans this morning. The snow is snowing. The wind is blowing. But I can weather the storm. Why do I care how much it may storm? I've got my... I know if anybody's going to sing it, it's going to be her. I've got my love to keep me warm. And so... Y'all breaking my Christmas heart this morning. I don't know what, where are you at. You never heard that song? Y'all just afraid to see. Y'all, y'all afraid to confess that you have a little bit of Christmas heart in you in, in February. Oh, come on now. You're always, it's always Christmas time, right? All right. Wherever you are, I'll pray for you about that. But all I'm saying is this. Whether it is your spouse, whether it is your friend, your BFF, your sister, or your brother, I'm telling you what, life can get cold real quick. The Christian life, there's some things that can happen to you in your Christian walk that you just become cold as a Christian. You need friendship. You need companionship. Because two that walk together when it gets cold, they can share their warmth to one another. Here is why, remember when I had family stand up? And ask you how intentional have you been to know them and then vice versa. Here is where intentionality comes. This is how we see the value of intentionality. Is that you're helping another brother and sister. Whether biologically or spiritually. Helping them stay warm in the walk that they're walking. You walk alone. You're very apt to get cold. And sometimes you may never warm back up. Have you seen people like that? They get bitter. They get hateful. Why? Because they've been walking mostly alone. And I know there's situations where you say, well, I did have a friend, Brother Josh, but they hurt me, and I don't want to go through that hurt again. Rest assured, there's friendships, dear friend, that'll keep you warm. Oh, there's people out there that can hurt you. I get that. But there's people out there that can keep you warm when life gets cold. Can I encourage you? Why don't you start right here? Why do you think Christ established the church? Because it is a body of believers that can help you stay warm when life gets cold. Because there's a gospel we strive together for. And if all this world sees is a bunch of cold, hard-hearted Christians, they won't want the message that we have. But when Christians value building relationships and connections and keeping each other warm, so when the world sees a cold situation, not, brings, not make someone cold that they think should be cold, but they see a warmth that continues in them, they, what do they have that I don't have? And what is one of the ways in which that person has stayed warm in a cold environment? It's called relationship. That's why it's so important. In this mission of the gospel. Not only that, but I'll, I'll, I'll leave you with this and I'll give you a final thought, okay? Not only that, but also it says in verse 12, And if one prevail against him, 
two shall withstand him, and a threefold cord is not quickly broken. Now I want you to understand this. This companionship, this partnership also helps you to have protection. Isn't it, isn't it a great thing when someone's got your six? Now what kind of lingo is that? Someone's got you back. Now, if you're married, you should have each other's back before you have anybody else's back, all right? You look out for one another. And listen, it's not just for the enemy that's outside of you, but it's things that's a part of you that will be an enemy to your life. They watch you too. They see places that may, some things you that may start rising up that could cause you damage and grief, and they've got your back. And they're going to say, hey, brother, hey, sis. I see this bitterness coming up. I see this hatred coming up. I see this loving that dollar. You're, hey, let me, I just, I'm telling you this in love. You're heading the wrong direction. They've got your back. Anybody ever had someone like that that was real with you? A brother is born for adversity. Amen? And iron sharpeneth iron. I know you don't want to hear sometimes those things, but you need that to live out your purpose in the Lord. There is real danger. Things you build up for yourself or those things that the devil brings towards your life. You need a partner. And he also says a three-fold cord is not quickly broken. Now, he's not, and I know we see the three-fold and we just say he's talking about Jesus. No, he's not talking about Jesus. He's simply saying this. He's saying that there is just more strength. There's two, there's great strength, but three, it's even better. But folks, I can't help to go there, and I think we should, is that... The greatest one added to your life is Christ. You can't have all the relationships in this world. And you've got some strength and you've got some warmth and you've got some protection. But when you add Christ in to that partnership and those relationships, oh dear goodness, you talk about the warmth you never had. You talk about the strength you never thought you could have or the courage you never thought you could muster up. Christ is our best partner. Luke 7, 34, the Son of Man is, is come eating and drinking, and you say, Behold, a gluttonous man, a wine-bibber, a friend of publicans and sinners. Yes, he is a friend to the most filthy and vilest person. You may be someone here this morning that is vain, and you're chasing vain things. Christ is reaching out with all that you need today to actually finally have fulfillment. Within you, this void, this Jesus shaped void in your soul that you need Him. The money can't fill it, the job can't fill it, the new car, whatever can't fill it. But Christ can. And those He brings into your life as well are there to fill your life. So let me give you a quote and I'll close. Philip Ryken said this. Two really are better than one when one of the two is the best one of all. And he's talking about Christ. So you've got a choice. You've got options. But there's only one best option. And it's the option with Christ. Christ and the things in which He wants to add to your life that actually fill you. Aren't you tired 
of chasing the things that are empty? Aren't you tired of thinking that you're adding to your life when really you're just adding emptiness still into your life? When Christ is received, fullness is received. The people that you that are believers this morning, the very ones, this community of believers and friends even outside this community of believers that Christ has brought into your life, he's trying to say, hey, you need partnership. You need friendship. Hey, you know that, that friend that, 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 that you've broken ties with because you, you didn't get along and you've got this riff? God's probably saying, hey, why don't you go resolve that? Because whether you like it or not, you could still use some warmth from them. And you've got, to t- you've got to take all that to God and follow Him. I, I don't know all your relationships. But when your relationships are centered on God and you follow Him as the guide to companionship and relationships, I will tell you this, they'll be the right ones. The wrong ones will leave you empty. The right ones will fill you up. But folks, the first relationship that you need today is the Christ. The Bible says that we are dead in our sins, that we need Jesus Christ. He died and rose again. And he's saying, come to me, repent, and trust me alone as your Savior. And that's what the Holy Spirit's crying out today. Are you saved? Do you know Christ? Have you trusted him as Savior? Dear believer, do you value monetary things or things that God values? which is your family and your friends. We stand to our feet. Every head bowed and every eye closed for just a moment. Father in heaven, we approach your throne.